0: You're listening to Country Music Success Stories, featuring Music City Mentor J.C. Don Valeris. Now, here's your host,
1: Cadio Terry.
0: This episode is a little bit different from the others. While together in Palm Springs, California, for our West Coast swing of interviews, we decided to sit down and talk about how we've made our way in our own careers, often against the odds. Yes, there has been plenty of joy but there has also been loss and heartache. What we've discovered is that just like the artists we've interviewed over the last few years, we were not only determined to be successful, we envisioned our success. Yes, manifestation is real, and wishboards work. We've got proof of that. The key is you've got to believe you can do it, and you will. There are big aha moments in your life when you discover your talents. Usually this happens in your childhood. And it's in these moments that you realize what you are really meant to do with your life.
2: And let's just set the scene. We're in beautiful Palm
0: Springs. I'm taking a sip of my vodka and soda. Excuse me. Disclaimer.
2: (laughs) Drinking while podcasting. (laughs) But we're in this beautiful place and it's just, we're all snuggled up on the couch And I think that this is a perfect time to talk about all of these lessons and all of these adventures we've been on through our lives and how it's led us to where we are today. The thing
0: is, you guys, that it's also going to be a lot about what we've learned from the country music icons that we've been interviewing for the last couple of years, because without exception, every single one of them has been through some really hard times. And sometimes success is about manifesting it. And so we'll have a lot of stories about that. And sometimes it's just about being in the right place at the right time. Right, JC? Absolutely. So let's start with you. I know you had a moment when you were five years old that changed your life.
2: My first moment was going to see Sharon Lewis and Bram in concert in Boston. My parents bought me tickets. And I remember that moment so vividly because it was the moment that made me want to go into music as a career. When the three of them walked out on stage and the music started and the lights turned on, something just clicked inside of me. And I said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So flash forward 30 something years, I end up having them as clients. And it's remarkable to think back and picture that little girl and what she would think about having Sharon, Lois, and Bram on her roster of clients with a business that she owns. And it's one of those things to remind everyone that anything is possible. Even when you're five years old, you can start manifesting your goals and dreams.
0: What's really interesting about that story, and I'll fill in a few blanks because I know you're being really... uh, I skipped over a few. You did. Is that JC owns her own company, which is called Platinum Circle Media.
2: Yes. I own my own digital marketing company. And people hire you. They do. They hire me to design things for them, websites, album covers, all of the above. And one of the reasons that I actually even started working with Sharon Lewis and Bram was because I wanted to thank them for the influence they had on my life. And I think that's so important to recognize the people who really did shape your life and career. As so many of our guests tell us that if it weren't for the people who came before them, they wouldn't be who they are today. So I wrote a thank you letter to Lois, thanking her for her influence on my life. And I ended up meeting Sharon and Bram. Unfortunately, Lois passed away before I had the chance to meet her. And we became friends. And then that led to me getting the opportunity to work for them. So things happen in very mysterious ways. But I do believe if you put that energy out into the world with the people you love, the things you want to do, it all eventually comes full circle. In your office, in your home in Nashville is a gold record. Lois's son was doing some cleaning in her storage unit after she passed away. And we had had the opportunity to meet each other several times. And he knew about my love for his mom and how sad I was that I never had the chance to tell her in person. She did get my letter, but I never got the chance to sit with her and tell her. And he said, would you mind holding on to this for me? Because I can't take it back to California on a flight with me and it needs a good home and I know you'll take good care of it. So, you know, I never won the gold record myself, but to have Lois Lillian gold record sitting on my wall and I look at it every single day. And if that isn't an all things are possible moment, then I don't know, I don't know, what, know what is.
0: is. Sharon, Lois, and Bram are doing a new record, which is all
2: of the best of their performances. Yes. And it is best of the best live. And I had the opportunity to go back and listen to all of the recordings from the years I went to see them from the 80s and early 90s. And we put together an incredible collection of songs that I'm so proud to have been a part of. So the moral of the story, you guys, is that this
0: little girl, JC, at five years old, went to see Sharon, Lois, and Bram ends up with a gold record on her wall in her home in Nashville and has been a key player in the creation and now the distribution of a
2: record by Sharon, Lois, and Bram. That's amazing. Thank you. So now I want to turn things over to you. When was the first moment when you were a small child that you remember this kind of moment happening to you? I remember it like it was yesterday.
0: I was about three years old, and my parents used to have neighbors come over on Friday night for cocktails, and we had a Dalmatian, and he loved olives. So my father would make martinis for our guests, and Chessie would catch the olives in his mouth, and then he would put me on the cocktail table, and I would sing Edelweiss from The Sound of Music. And that was the sideshow at my house. People were clapping for me and saying, oh, Candace, you sing so well. And I thought, I kind of like
2: this. I was never shy. <laughs> So this could have gone one of two ways. You could have joined the circus or you could have become a singer. It was a little (laughs) sideshow. Luckily for everyone who got to listen to you on the radio and has heard your your music for so long, you became a singer.
0: I'll flash forward to when I was 12 years old because it goes with this part of the story. I skipped out of CCD Uh with my two best friends. And we were in the lobby of St. Mary's School. And the acoustics in the lobby, it was an exterior lobby in Newington, Connecticut, everybody. And I started singing over the rainbow and they both literally stopped in their tracks and looked at me and said, are you going to be a singer? Like, you're really good at that. People are telling me I'm good at this. It makes me feel good. And the same thing happens every artist we've ever talked to. Somebody said, you're really good at that. And they believed it.
2: So did you see yourself on a stage? What were you envisioning for your life at this point? I saw the whole thing. I saw myself on a stage. It was
0: certainly pop music, but it was also orchestral, which was really interesting. Like, I could have been a Broadway singer. A lot of people say that. You helped me produce a song that was very Broadway-ish. But here's the manifestation.
1: Years
0: later, in Boston, who gets to sing? with Keith Lockhart and the Boston Pops The Full Orchestra Over the Rainbow Candy
1: O'Terry Somewhere over the rainbow way up high There's a land that I've heard of once in a lot. Would you dare to dream Really do come true Someday I'll wish upon a star And wake up where the clouds are far Behind me Where troubles melt like lemon drops Away above the chimney tops That's where you
0: more than anything else is rehearsal in Symphony Hall in Boston where the acoustics are beyond perfection and being told, okay, it was my turn to come up and practice with the pops and walking up and the maestro is there and he turns and he looks at me and then the strings begin and the stage was mine. I'm getting the goosebumps right now. I and the to- stage was mine and my arms were out and my breathing was
2: good. And I hit all the notes and I thought, I can die now. <laughs> right? I mean, honestly, I feel like that is the ultimate goal for any vocalist is yes. to sing with the Boston Pops. And I don't think we've ever interviewed anyone who has done this. I think Candy O'Terry is a first. Uh, it's, it's
0: beyond Unbelievable. Let's go back to you, Jay, because, and by the way, I call her Jay all the time. Is that all right? Like is, I've never asked you. You
2: have asked me. You've been calling me Jay since day one. I don't know
0: why, but I have to. That's okay. It's JC Dawn really is her name, by the way. Some really people is. think that that's
2: like a nickname, but no, it's on your birth certificate. It sure is. And my mom got that from the last picture show with Sybil Shepard. That's where I got my first name. 15 years old. You had a life changing moment. It's similar to yours when you were 12, because I was also with my best friend at the time, Erica. Erica and I decided we were going to leave school early and go see the Juds in Hartford, Connecticut. Our parents were so nice and they bought us tickets. And so sophomore year of high school, Erica and I leave school. We go down to Hartford, Connecticut to see the Judds. And I remember sitting very high up at the Hartford Civic Center. And if you've ever been there, it is one of the biggest arenas. And I convinced Erica that we were going to get as close to the front row as possible. So throughout every song, we would move closer and closer and closer an inch towards the front. And we ended up in the front row on the side of the stage. And when we finally made it down there, I think she looked at me like, I can't believe we just accomplished this thing. And I remember thinking to myself, you have no idea what I'm about to tell you, but I am going to work with these two people someday in my career. And I remember so vividly telling her that because I loved them and admired them so much. And seeing them in concert just solidified the fact that I had to be involved in country music in some way. And I remember saying out loud to Erica, someday... Me and the Judds, something is going to happen here. And fast forward a year and a half later, I had the opportunity to actually sing on stage with Winona. I had written a essay for her website. They were doing a contest. I won. And Winona sent me some memorabilia, a couple autographed things. I went to go see her in concert, and I was holding up one of the things that she had sent me. She invited me up on stage. I don't know why she did this, but she said, would you like to sing a song? And I said, I sure would. This was, side note, this was after I was bawling my eyes out so hard that she had to ask one of her stagehands to grab tissues for me. So she hands me the microphone and held on to my snotty tissues. (laughs) Oh, my God. And I sang Blue Moon of Kentucky with her band. I said, Blue Moon of Kentucky.
1: Keep on shining. Shine on the one that's gone. And left me blue.
2: And I will never forget that moment. It was one of the few moments in my life, and maybe you've had one of these, where you feel like you're looking down on yourself, like it's an out-of-body experience. You're in a movie. Yeah. Yes. It's like you're watching this happen to somebody else. And I think that's because I spent so much time thinking about what this moment would feel like. I always knew someday I'm going to sing on a stage with Winona Judd. This is what it's gonna feel like. So when it happened, it was just like a replay of what I had been visualizing. And lo and
0: behold, the first person who agreed to tell her story on country music success stories was the one and only Naomi Judd, whom you had met in Nashville, who became a friend of yours, who invited us to her 500 acre compound in Leapers Fork, who said, come on in and showed us all of her costumes and sat down and told us her story. And she kept on looking at you saying, oh, JC, I just love
2: you. You're such a sweet thing. Well, I have to give credit to one of our other guests, Kelly Lang. I think she was either episode three or four on our show. Kelly knew how much I loved Naomi and Naomi has been my bucket list person my whole life. Her picture has been on my wishboard. Kelly and Naomi are friends. And when Kelly told her about how much I wanted to meet her, Naomi was kind enough to invite me to lunch. And so when I told her about what I did, she was really gracious and was eager to talk with us. And she told you intimate details about her story that she'd never told anyone before, which was really phenomenal. And she
0: made it possible for us to debut at number 25 on the Apple chart. We got covered by entertainment tonight for the debut of our podcast series. And what she did for us, honestly, is she put her seal of approval
2: on our podcast. And it's been so fabulous ever since then. And talk about somebody who has come from nothing to everything. If that isn't an inspiring story, I honestly don't know what is. And speaking of country music, I have a very important question for you. Do you remember the very first song in country music that you ever played on the radio? I do. Like it was yesterday. It was called Walk Away Joe by Trisha Yearwood.
0: And when I got into radio, it was really an interesting story. And I won't go into too much detail, but I had always been a singer earning my living as a singer. And I did a lot of session work. You know, you were really a live performer. I was doing demo sessions, jingles, voiceover work, and I ended up in radio, right? But I I also fronted a band on weekends. And I get into radio, I get on the air, purely by accident, someone falls asleep on the radio, they get fired, I get on the air. And I was going through a really, really painful divorce. And my boss was awesome. He was such a great mentor. But he thought that I was being way too kind to my soon to be ex-husband. And that was because I was still in love with the guy. So I was doing dumb stuff, right? And so... (laughs) on my playlist for the one of the first nights I was on the air. He, he has me playing Walk Away Joe by Trisha Yearwood. And then there's a liner note underneath it that says, you shouldn't take his phone calls anymore. <laughs> but I loved her voice and I loved her story about having been, you know, a receptionist and a demo singer. And then she gets her big shot, right? And you would go on to interview her. I did. I interviewed her around her album X's and O's. And then, by the way, Tricia, if you are listening to this podcast, please agree to be on our show. And Garth, come on over. We are happy to chat with (laughs) the two of of you or one at a time. We're happy to do that. But I also wanted to tell you a story about adversity for me. And I know you've got some stories, too. My life really, the trajectory of my life really changed because when I was growing up, my mother was actively dying And she was diagnosed when she was 48 with breast cancer, and she was dead within four years. And those were my four years of high school. Talk about life changing, right? Because your mother is so sick, and I'm an only child, and it's just the two of us, and I'm solid with my dad, but he just comes to see me on the weekends for a few hours. It was really rough. And then she died, and I was 18 years old. And her favorite song was Amazing Grace. And every church I ever go into, I always find that sweet spot in the nave of a church. And I know you can identify with this because you grew up singing in church. Mm -hmm. And that song, and I've recorded it, a cappella, means so much to me. But the reason why I wanted to tell everybody that story was because there really was a day in my life where as an only child, my mother is dead. I am buying clothes to bury her in. I am buying a coffin. I am delivering her clothes to the undertaker. I am going back to college. I have no mom. I have no role model. And I literally kind of fell apart. And I always tell people, it's like, when you're a motherless daughter, It's like you're alone in a room without a flashlight. It's like someone puts you on the ocean in a boat. You don't have any paddle. You're just hoping the boat finds its way to shore. And every person we interview has a story like that, where they think it's over. They're never going to accomplish anything. They're never going to get over the heartache. Like when my husband left me and suddenly you recognize, and I remember having a moment where I figured, you know, I can just cry a river if I want to. I can sit in the corner and crawl into a ball and cry myself to sleep, but the world is going to keep on spinning. And that's where you find your courage.
2: So can you pinpoint the moment that you had this aha moment, for lack of a better description, where you said, this is not where my story ends and I'm going to keep moving forward?
0: Without question. I know it happened in college when I'm sitting alone in my little apartment by myself, you know, and everybody else is out partying. Because what happens when you have a really big loss like that when you're young, you grow up really quickly. So the idea of going out and getting drunk with my friends felt a little lame to me. You know, I just put my mother in a coffin and it's weird. And so I got really grown up really fast. And I remember just sitting there thinking, you know what? I'm just going to do what I know I'm really good at. And I became more and more determined that I was going to
2: have a career as a singer. It also puts life into perspective because you know how short it is, you know, and totally. it makes you decide. so smart you've to gotta, say that. Yeah, you've got to push forward on your goals and dreams because we're not given any promise of time. I'm going to say this because it's easier for me to come out and say it than it is for you because you're very
0: humble. J.C. Don Valeris opened for every major A-lister who came through New England. Had her own band from the time she was a teenager. Was absolutely determined and had the talent and the smarts and the looks to make it big time and something happened to you?
2: Something did happen. I'm going to cry. That made me emotional. Uh, Something did happen. I was singing so frequently, like you just said. One night I was at a campground. I will never forget it. It was Jellystone Park in New Hampshire. And I was singing with my band, just like I always did, performing a four-hour set, which thinking back, no vocalist should be singing a four hour set, but I did it for years and years and years. And I was singing unchained melody. And I had been having a couple little vocal twinges here and there where it didn't feel super comfortable this night. My parents were right there in the audience and I was going for the big high note, which was my signature song. And I'll never forget. I went to hit that high note and I opened my mouth and halfway through the note, my mouth stopped singing. Uh, Just like that. As simple as that. And that was the moment that I lost my voice. I couldn't make it through the rest of the show. We were only about halfway through. My band had to kick in and sing. They were all my backup singers. And I'm looking at you and you're crying. I'm I'm going to cry.
0: (laughs) You know, because when you define yourself as a singer and then suddenly no voice is coming out of your mouth, it's
2: overwhelming. And in that moment, I didn't know that. I thought, oh, something isn't right here. Well, I'm going to stop singing tonight and tomorrow I'll be back at it because I have another year of booked shows and I'm talking big gigs. We were performing at large venues and for a lot of people.
0: You opened for Leanne Rimes. I you did. opened for Willie Nelson. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, the it big does. time.
2: It does. And uh, the next morning I woke up and I couldn't even speak. And so that went on for weeks and weeks. And I finally got my speaking voice back. And I went to a doctor and he said, you're going to have to stop singing for about a year. And I mean, kill me right now. Seriously. So I mean, your whole income stream ends. because stream, and, you're, and you're responsible for paying your band. And I'm 20 years old and thinking, okay, in a year or two, my career is going to take off and I'm going to have opportunity. And I was working with people in Nashville at this point. I was working with a lot of people who, Made me believe that within the next couple of years I was going to have a pretty solid career. And that didn't happen. However, what did happen was the fact that I knew I needed to keep music in my life somehow. And so I picked up a napkin off of my kitchen table and I looked at the newspaper and there was a picture of a teacher who taught fourth grade when I was in fourth grade. And I remembered her very, very vividly. And she was carrying the flag that had been draped over her son's coffin because he killed in Iraq and I looked at her picture and I picked up a pen this is the first time I ever did this in my entire life and I sat there at the kitchen table and I wrote a song called I'll move on
1: and I don't care what everyone's been through
2: nothing could compare to
1: losing you and I'm too selfish to be strong Every time i think that i'm all right i wake up crying at night and the endless hours drag along i don't believe it but
2: they say yeah move on and i tried to think about what she might be feeling at the time and how heartbroken she must be. And I poured every one of those little emotions into a song. And that was the first song I ever wrote. And I truly believe that if I wasn't going through such a difficult time, not that it compares to what she went through, but I was going through a really hard time. I lost the most important thing to me, which was my voice. If I wasn't going through that at the time, I don't think I would have sat down and wrote that song. And to be honest, that's what brought me to Nashville. And that song changed the entire course of my life through the people that I would end up meeting. So Even when you're in the most devastating moments, you have to always believe there is hope. There is always hope.
0: That was the lesson that you learned. That was the lesson. How many times have we been told stories that big number one songs, as recently as the other day, we sat down with Lindy Robbins who wrote Skyscraper for Demi Lovato. She said that song sat for three years. Nobody thought it was any good. You know, Garth Brooks, When he sat down with Kent Blasey to write his first big song, what was the name of that song? If Tomorrow Never Comes. Everyone said, that song sucks. Nobody's going to care about that. And then he and Kent worked on it together and all of a sudden the song became a hit. Sometimes things don't happen when you want them to, they happen later. And in the case of you, that sharp left-hand turn that you needed to take to become a songwriter, at this point, how many songs have you written? Thousands. Thousands. And you've had cuts on albums. Over 30. Yeah. Proud of you beyond (laughs) words. I'm proud too.
2: And I think 20 year old JC, if she hadn't known that she would have been a okay, you know,
0: (laughs) and they're great songs. And what it did was it forced you to use another bone that you probably weren't really, or a muscle that you weren't really using as much when you were up there on that stage singing other people's songs.
2: It's true. And it allowed me to learn about a part of the industry I didn't know about, which led to my being able to work with songwriters down the road. So everything happens for a reason.
0: So you end up in Nashville. I want to stay on this for a little while. So you end up uh, moving to Nashville. By the way, falling in love with your lead guitarist,
2: Mike. Forbidden. Forbidden Fruit. Forbidden Fruit. And they end up moving to Nashville. We did. We both decided we wanted to try a career in music. My voice still hadn't fully come back. I had gotten it to the point where I could sing. And so I was still performing at this point. It it never fully came back. But we jumped in a U-Haul truck with our car attached to the back of it, all of our belongings. And we headed south to Nashville, (laughs) Nashville, Tennessee. And it's so interesting because I was 25 years old. And thinking back to that moment in the driveway with my father saying to me, you know, you're doing check the, right- the oil. <laughs> yeah, check the oil. I said, Dad, what do you think? Do you think I'm doing the right thing? And he said, yes, you're doing the right thing. My parents believed in me so deeply. I believed in myself, though, because it was the thing that I had always visualized. I knew someday I'd end up in Nashville. I knew someday I would end up working with. The people that I now work with, and I know that might sound strange to some people listening, but if you really focus on those things that you want so deeply in your life, there is some sort of energy that goes out into the world that actually can make them happen. And driving down the street to our new apartment in Nashville, it was all the things I had hoped and wished for. There's a Grand Ole Opry. Oh my gosh, there's the skyline of Nashville. Someday I'm gonna be in those buildings. Someday I'm gonna be on that stage. And it ha- happened. Happily ever after, because here I am
0: 13 years later. One of my favorite stories is your father handing you a dollar bill.
2: <laughs> yes. I had no money when I moved to Nashville because I had been waitressing and singing and all of that went away when I got into my U-Haul and headed south. And my parents had given me a dollar when I was born and it was the first dollar I ever got. It went in my little piggy bank and they saved it 25 years. And right before I got into my U-Haul, my dad handed me the dollar bill and he said, don't ever spend this and you can never say that you are broke. So I still have the dollar And I've never been able to say I'm broke because I'm not. I have that dollar bill. What
0: has it meant for you to have your parents really believe in your talent the way that they have?
2: Well, it's everything. I think when you have the support of your parents, it's everything. But I also worked really hard to prove to them that this was something I could do. I made goals for myself and then I achieved them every single time and not easily. I worked very hard. And I think once I created this pattern of doing the things I said I was going to do, they had no reason to not believe I was going to do the next thing. So I think it's important to set a business plan for yourself in your life. And... Hopefully it will work out for you.
0: You know, I was really flying high in my career, in my 40s. And my daughter was in college. I have a son and a daughter and my son is older. And Colleen was in a car accident that was a near fatal car accident. And she wasn't drinking and driving. It was finals week. She fell asleep at the wheel. And she was driving a little Volkswagen Golf. And she went across the divide into oncoming traffic. And the car that she ran into was a very big old Buick. And she got what was called a grade four liver laceration. And grade five is fatal. And when the nurse called me from the emergency room, she said, is this the mother of Colleen Oh, Terry. And I said, yes. And right away, my world started like shaking and falling apart. Like you were talking about it being in a movie, right? And I said, yes. And she said, your daughter has been in a serious car accident. It's important for you to get here as soon as you can. And I said, we are Catholic. Please call a priest. And she said, we already did. Oh, God. And I don't even remember the drive there except to say my cell phone was dead. I forgot my charger. I had less than a quarter of a tank of gas. I had to drive about 50 miles to where she was there. But for the grace of God, I have no idea how I got there. And when I did, I was running into the emergency room and her roommates were there And it was just this moment where I almost like needed to have people hold me up because my world was falling apart and she survived. You know, she spent seven days in the ICU and she's as sassy as she ever was. And she's my girl. But those kinds of experiences, you know, you talked about losing your voice and Unchained Melody which by the way I've probably played on the radio 5,000 times and there's a song by Martina McBride called In My Daughter's Eyes and I played that song over and over and over again and I willed her to live as I listened
1: to that song In my daughter's eyes I am a hero I am strong and wise, and I know no fear, but the truth is plain to see, she was sent to rescue me. I see who I want to be in my dark.
2: And if we ever get a chance to talk to Martina McBride, I'm going to tell her that story. Were you thinking only positive thoughts? I know it's hard to say that because you're thinking the worst as a mother, Like, oh my gosh, I hope nothing bad happens. You know, but were you trying your hardest to be positive? Totally. And I also just couldn't go there. You know, I, I do
0: remember, especially while she was in surgery, you know, I was trying to like breathe, you know, breathe into it. And But that song was a big hit at the time. And I remember I just channeled that song over and over and over again, and I certainly did a lot of praying. But that experience of almost losing my child really changed me because it reminded me of what really matters. And all these things that you and I are doing, the podcast series, the social media outreach that we have, the fans that we're gathering All these things mean so much to us on a personal level, but there's nothing that's more important than your love for your family and your children, your husband. So let's talk about your husband, who I adore.
2: I adore him as well. Mike Valeris. He's the one who was by my side moving to Nashville. And shortly after all of my vocal problems happened, he was always there to support me. And we moved to Nashville with not a whole heck of a lot. Ramen noodles, anyone? Yes, for dinner every single night. (laughs) No joke. Pizza buffet. We used to go to CeCe's Pizza with $5 each and eat all night. So that's where this story began. Years later, we decided, you know, this is going pretty well. And he proposed. And we got married when I was 32 years old. And... It's interesting because you just were mentioning about all of the stuff that we're doing in our professional career, the dreams that we've had since we were children of being involved in the music industry. We're pretty
0: driven, the two of us. We
2: are pretty driven. It's so funny how when you take a step back, the things that you always thought would be the most important things to you really come second to the people that you love the most, your children, your husband, my husband, if the music stuff was to go away tomorrow, that would hurt a lot, but we have these people and we're so lucky to have them. And I remember one of the reasons Mike and I chose the first dance that we danced to was because of all of that. And the song was called A Life That's Good by Lennon and Maisie, who are the two younger girls who starred on the television show Nashville. I don't something people don't know. Oh, fun, fact. Them, fun fact. Fun <laughs> fact. Fun fact, I was in 5 episodes of the television show Nashville. Check it out on IMDb. <laughs> and it's weird another manifesting moment because Right before that we got married, we danced to the song that Lennon and Maisie performed together and that was the first bigger role that I actually got on Nashville. I played the flight attendant and Lennon and Maisie were directed to give me some serious attitude and it was a lesson for them in the show. And I remember going into that audition and the producer said to me, "Okay, I want you to walk back and forth and every time you look up, look like you are really angry and pissed off. And I kept thinking these two beautiful, sweet little girls, I've got to look at them in this way. And they felt the same way. They kept saying to me, I'm so sorry. I don't want to look at you like that. It's so funny. But who would have ever guessed when we were dancing to that song, I would have ended up in a scene with them. Life is very weird. Life is weird. So what about your wonderful and amazing husband? Well, I'll share with everybody
0: that I got married very, very young to a man who I didn't know didn't love me. And 10 years later, you know, he hung around for 10 years, but when he left, he really left. And when someone leaves you and says, you know, I don't love you anymore. And I really shouldn't have done this in the first place. It's pretty devastating. But what he did, my dad used to always say to me, you know, he's doing you a favor because he's pushing you in a different direction. And when I became a single mother, I then had to earn a living. And I said, well, I've been singing all my life. I write well. Hmm. Maybe I should get a job at a radio station. Like, duh. And so I did. And it changed my life. I doubt I would have done that if I hadn't been pushed in that way. So I end up on this big major market radio station, and that's where I stayed for 25 years. And I did really, really well, as you know. And then suddenly the universe sends me this man named Tom, and he really got on his white horse and came and, you know, just blew me away. We met each other on Match.com. And went on one date, got married a year later Like it was boom, it was just like that And we've been together, as you know, for 16 years now But there's a song by Michael Bublé that I used to play on the radio But that's also a country song called Home, which Blake Shelton did And it's just amazing how when you find that right person, you know, that it feels like home And that song always meant
1: so much to me Another summer day has come and gone away Paris and Rome But I want to go home Mm. Maybe surrounded by A million people I still feel all alone I want to go home Oh, I miss you, you know I've been keeping all the letters Each one a line or two. I'm fine, baby. How are you? I would sing them, but I know that it's just not enough. My words were cold and flat, and you deserve.
2: It's true. It doesn't matter where you are. We were talking about this the other night. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. If you're with that person, it feels like home.
0: Well, there's also something pretty magical that happened as we start to come toward the end of our time together here in Palm Springs, and that is
2: you and me meeting. I was just going to say this. I wanted to touch back on your radio days, because when you were on the air speaking into that microphone, you had no idea that I was on the other end of the speakers listening to you. And I grew up listening to you. I listened to you constantly, all the time. And years later, I wanted to tell you that. So I wrote you a letter. Do you remember? I have the email saved. And
0: literally, you guys, it was like an out of the blue thing. This sweet woman sends me a note saying, I just want to tell you that you kept me company when I was growing up, that I miss hearing your voice coming out of the radio, and I'd love to meet you someday. And so we started this little email friendship, and the more I got to know about you, the more I realized oh, I need to interview her because that's kind of what I do for a living, right? So I have this other show called The Story Behind Her Success, which is obviously 100% female and it's just success stories from every walk of life. So you and I meet, I interview you and I can still remember saying to myself, this woman and I are going to do something together.
2: Well, you kind of skirted over this. So let me back up a moment. I find out that I am going to be interviewed by Candy O'Terry. Holy how This is young JC's dream. This was current JC's dream. <laughs> young JC wouldn't have believed nice it. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to say, top five most nervous moments of my entire life, I have probably done a thousand interviews. Holy cow! Being interviewed by Candy O'Terry was a scary event, and I'm you, such an easy interview. You though. made me feel so. That's what I was going to say oh, because okay. I was so nervous walking into the room, thinking that you were going to be interviewing me. And the moment I sat down and started talking to you, I felt like I was talking to someone who had been in my life forever, and that's how our entire friendship has gone. Every time we're together, it feels like we've known each other for a zillion years. And I remember after that interview, you sent me an email and you said, you know, I'm working on this song and I really feel like it should be a duet. So why don't we jump into the studio and sing it together? And I thought, sure, why not? Well, you were
0: terrified. And I'll tell you guys, I've always thought this and I'll say it to you in front of everybody right now. I feel like I was sent into your life for a reason. Everybody goes through life and has certain things that hurt them and break them. And I had this feeling that I was supposed to help you somehow to feel more confident about your voice. And I had this beautiful song called, If I Should Lose My Way, which was written by Frank Wildhorn and had been done by Linda Etter, who was his wife at the time that he wrote it. Beautiful song about friendship. And basically the message of the song is, you know, if I should lose my way, just hang on, I'll be there. And you might need to walk a little slower, you might need to turn around, give me your hand and pull me along, but I knew you were the person to sing that song with.
1: As we turn our lives down this complicated road, if you need a hand to hold, I promise you, I will be. Road we share, please wait for me Come one may. if I should
2: lose my way. Well, what I find is so interesting, and it's the entire theme of this conversation is manifesting things into real life that was only the second time I think I ever was with you was the day we were in the studio together and we're singing this song about two people who love each other and care about each other deeply who have been friends for a long time and I almost feel like that song has become something we have lived after we recorded it right it's so interesting that that became our story And you did give me the confidence to sing in the studio that day and not only to sing, but you gave me the confidence to actually think that I could be doing something like sitting with you and interviewing and talking to country superstars because that was never in the plan for me. That was never something I had a vision of happening for me. And I remember when you came down to Nashville after we had really gotten to know each other and I had invited you to come down because I was such a huge supporter of your podcast. And I thought you should really be talking to some country artists.
0: You came down. So the original idea was we were just going to do a four part series called Women of Country Music. Yeah. The the story story behind behind her success, success.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: And there it was. And we first we sat with Naomi. Then we sit with Crystal Gale and Jeannie Seely and, and Kelly. And, Lang, Kelly Lang. and that was our four part series. It sure was. And then we both looked at each other and said, well, this was way too much fun. We have to keep on doing it. And boy, has this become a gigantic joy for me. Just a joy for me. For me too. I love going to Nashville. And I often say this when we're sitting down with these people who share their stories with us. First of all, thank you for inviting us into your homes and onto your back porches and to your fire pit and wherever you want to talk to us. The other day we were outside in somebody's garden with airplanes flying over our heads. We'll go anywhere, right? But the gift is the story and the gift is the road map. How did you get to where you are today? Even though people threw out roadblocks, they said, you're no good. They said, you'll never make it in Nashville. Well, guess what? They did.
2: They did. And I, for one, am very glad that you are a part of my story and such a big part of it. And it's been such a gift getting to sit down, not only to talk to these incredible superstars in country music, but to sit down with you and do it. And it has been truly one of the greatest gifts of my entire life.
0: Oh, thank you. Hey, one of the things that makes our show very different beyond the fact that we are face-to-face, you know, a lot of podcasts are Zoom conversations. Not the same thing. When you're in a room
2: with someone, you catch their vibe, right? You do. There's something different about sitting next to a person, being in their space where they're comfortable to really share the deepest parts of their stories with you. And one of the common threads that we've seen just like this podcast has been talking about is how these people have dreamed up their reality and how no matter what age you are, our guests range in age from young to, dare I say, old. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: yeah. Seasoned. Let's say seasoned. seasoned. And by the way, when we say seasoned, Hallelujah and amen, because we're talking to people who have been on a stage with Elvis Presley. So many of them, right? Yeah. And look at one of our recent interviews with a guy who actually was in the studio with Patsy Cline. I mean, we're talking to people who have just done incredible things with their lives. And
2: what's so interesting is they're still doing incredible things with their lives. Whether it's the person who has just really started out in their career or who has had a career that has spanned 40 or 50 years, they still have goals, they still have dreams, and they're still believing that they can make these things happen for themselves.
0: Well, I have one more thing that I want to talk about before we say goodbye to everybody. This has been a really nice conversation. We have blankets and we have vodkas and sodas and we have some hummus and crackers and it's been so nice but one of the things I wanted to share with everybody that I'm very proud of you about is Music City Mentor.
2: Well, thank you very much. And that just stems from years of working my behind off in the music industry and not really having anybody to hold my hand and help me. And I think that it's really important to have somebody to guide you a little bit. And through the stories that we're capturing from these incredible icons in music, we're able to give younger artists a little bit of that roadmap a little bit of insight into what it takes to make it in Nashville. And I think you and I have done an excellent job, might I say, of sharing those details with younger artists. And it's important for them to learn these things. So Music City Mentor is a platform that JC has created. And so, you know, YouTube, Music
0: City Mentor, Country Music Success Stories, these are videos that JC does. Some of them are the most watched videos for any type of video about how to make it in Nashville. And she literally is trying to be the person that she needed when she was trying to make it in country music. So this is sage information. Totally go and check it out. And we feature JC and this on every episode of Country Music Success Well, thank you for that plug. You're welcome. But I'm really proud of you. And there's a book that's just about to be published because we're throwing that right out into the universe. Okay,
2: yes. New goal, new dream, new idea. You heard it first here. I'm manifesting my successful book, Music City Mentor, which I am pretty close to finishing at this point. I hope that it will be a big help to the people who really want to have a successful career in country music and who are envisioning that for themselves. Well, there's somebody who's already gotten the word that Jay-Z Don Valeris is the person to partner with. And her name is Cara Diaguardi. I'm so grateful for the opportunity with Cara's company Bridge, which is an incredible app. Every young singer songwriter needs to check this out. It's B-R-I-I-D-G-E. You can look them up on Instagram. And it's really an incredible platform for songwriters to meet each other and to collaborate right online through the app. And Kara's given me the opportunity to help these young artists with some branding. So I'm doing a masterclass with her on that and hopefully some future collaborations. So I think
0: the reason why we're having this conversation is because we want everyone to know who loves country music or loves any kind of music, that music really comes from deep in your soul. A love for music, whether you're a fan of music or whether you make music, it comes from deep down inside. And if you are on a path where you want to make that dream come true, it's
2: never too late. And I think that goes for everything too, not even just music, no matter where you come from, if you've been through heartbreak, if you've had horrible things happen to you, if you've lost your voice, if you've almost lost your daughter, no matter what has happened to you in your life, there is still hope, there are still goals to be met for you. So don't ever give up because if you do, you may not see what is possible for yourself. The artists that we have interviewed,
0: the producers, the musicians, the record people, songwriters. They may have been told, no, you're not good at what you do, but they never stopped believing in themselves. And you and I have experienced the same things. Doors have closed, doors have opened, voices have been lost, husbands have left. (laughs) In my case, not yours. And beautiful, wonderful people have come back into our lives. And so the moral of, I guess, this story is to never ever stop believing in yourself. And we are living proof of that. Amen. And that's Country Music Success Stories for this week. We hope you'll spread the word about our podcast and leave a review of our show. Follow us on social at Country Music Success Stories, our TikTok handle, Candy and JC. The series is now available on the Country Line app, so please download it for all things country music. We've got more legends to meet and stories to tell. This is Candy O'Terry saying thank you for listening to Country Music Success Stories, where the stars welcome us into their homes and tell us how they made it in Nashville.